So we are um, doing a, um, an Advent sermon series, and we have decided to take the hymn, O Holy Night, and kind of unpackage the verses of that. Uh, so we're going to be taking a little break from our sermon series through the incomparable Jesus, and really we're going we're gonna to talk about Jesus this morning anyway, so nothing's really changed, but we're going to really focus on this hymn. And um, as, you, as you heard Anthony help us understand this morning, this is a season of Advent, and Advent means coming or arrival, the expectation of that. And um, so we're going to jump into that. And so let me say, this morning, if your heart needs to be adjusted, and allow the Holy Spirit to do some work in you today. Uh, allow the Holy Spirit to put a hunger, a kindling, a a desire to press into the personhood of Christ and who He is. Um, and so, let me, let me start off by giving an example. My wife loves to get the mail. It's like her thing, right? If you uh, go get the mail before she's had an opportunity to get the mail that day, you're probably going to be in trouble, okay? Well, not in trouble, but you're, she's not going to be stoked about it. So... You know, like sometimes I'll go down and get the mail, and she's like, did the mail come today? And I'm like, yeah, it already came. She's like, dang it, I wanted to get the mail. And I don't know why, because there's never anything good in the mail. It's always either bills or value pack. Anybody, who looks at value pack anymore? I mean, okay, Anthony does. But she loves going to the mail because in her expectation, she thinks that what she calls a mail miracle. And she goes, i just been believing, like, there might be a male miracle today. And I'm like, babe, what's a male miracle? You don't know, maybe Jeff Bezos found out about us, and he's going to mail us a million dollars. And I go, babe, that is possible, not probable, though. The reality is somebody just, some millionaire, billionaire, going to give us, like, here's, I was just thinking of you, I don't know who you are, but I was just thinking of you, and I decided to mail you specifically, a mail miracle, so you could buy whatever you need is probably not going to happen, but there's this expectation in her heart of something is going to happen, and she, when she opens up that little, whatever it is, mailbox, little lid, she's like, ooh, what's going to be in there, right? I just don't do it because I know it's either going to be a bill or it's going to be junk mail. Most of the time, because I'm pessimistic. <laughs> but in the same way that my wife is all excited, and not on I'm saying that we have to base the season on our emotions, but there needs to be some kind of expectation in our heart as we enter into this Advent series, as we en enter into this Advent season, that the personhood of who Jesus is the wonder and the might and the beauty and the glory and the lowliness and the gentleness and all of the character of who Christ is, as we, as we approach this season, there should be something of we go to the mailbox of this season and open up and be like, Jesus, show me the truth and the beauty of who you are. And I know that this year particularly is pretty hard to do that. It's been a season, I mean, we said it last week, I said, guys, describe to me this year. And nobody said anything particularly positive. Everyone was like, man, challenging, hard, isolating, depressing even. And I know that at best, maybe some of you are saying, 
okay, I'm, I'm not feeling sorrowful, but I, at least maybe at best, I'm just not really ready for Christmas. This doesn't feel like it's really been set up for a year of Christmas, and I understand that. But I want to encourage us this morning to say, okay, Jesus, this is where my heart is, but Lord, will you shine your light on me? Will you shine your light on the darkness and the recesses of my heart? And we've called this sermon series, A Weary World Rejoices. And I think, wow, if there's an appropriate sermon series title, it would be that. Because this has been a weary year, right? We were talking about it yesterday, or a couple days ago, my wife and I, we heard a story about a young boy who took his own life because he was, he was on Zoom, I think, with his class while he did this. 11 years old, took his own life because he was so weary of feeling isolated and feeling like I have no friends, I have, and decided to, I, and, and we have all heard the stats this year of how not only just suicide, but just so many other social unhealthiness, if that's a word, has been rampant through our culture. And we find ourselves either really frustrated with what's happening around us, and this angst and this anxiety is rising up, or we find ourselves fearful, and we find ourselves actually just completely exhausted with this year. And we're thinking, hoping, maybe somehow at the turn of the day on the January 1st, 2021, somehow it'll all just go away, and the reality is that probably is not going to happen. And we find ourselves possibly weary. I want to just read to you the words from this hymn. I think they'll be up on the screen. We all probably know it. We've sung it for many years, but let's just look at it without having to sing it. This is what the words say. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope the weary world rejoices for yonder breaks, the day breaks. It's a new and glorious morn. And I would say to us this morning, if you find yourself weary, which I would probably describe as just exhausted with sorrow, if you could marry those two words together, isn't that kind of an appropriate way to talk about weariness? It's feeling sorrowful, but it's just feeling exhausted. And in this Christmas season where we're supposed to be all excited about the hot cocoa that we have in the back, it's really good, and the little twinkle lights that we have set up, and the little rosy cheeks of our kids and these overly dressed hot things that they're like sweating, but they look so cute in those things, right? And we're supposed to feel all the feels. I think if the reality, if a poll were to be taken among us and particularly our world today, it would say, I am exhausted and I'm full of sorrow because I am absolutely weary. What are we to do with a weary heart? What are we supposed to do with 
a heart that this year is possibly pretty downtrodden? Are we meant to just muscle it up, white knuckle this season and go, okay, I'm going to really press through. I'm going to force myself to feel all the good feels. I'm going to be like Buddy the Elf. Whenever we hear the word, Sarah, right? He, what, what do you ask Buddy the Elf? What's your favorite thing to do? Smiling. I just love smiling. Smiling, why? Because it's my favorite thing. And do we just kind of try to tell ourselves, okay, get over it, guys. Like, you, you got to like muscle through. This has got to be the good season. Put on a fake smile. Come to church. Everything's going to be okay when you walk around. Or is there something more concrete that you and I can put our hope in, in the midst of the reality of feeling exhausted and tired and weary and sorrowful? I think there is. Um, and I think, before we get there, I think we need to help identify what are the things that cause weariness. And I think, I think this hymn, even though it's not Scripture, we're going to get to Isaiah in a, in a moment, even though it's not Scripture, I think it points us to Scripture because it really helps us understand, I think, what causes weariness. See, most of us here this morning would say, I'm tired because of COVID. I'm tired because of feeling isolated. I'm tired of all the effects that we're feeling. I'm tired of all the cultural changes. I'm tired of looking at social media and feeling frustrated or angry or afraid. I'm tired of, of over and over and over and over of seeing this and hearing about this and this and this and this. I just want to shut it off. And I think those things do cause weariness on the surface. But there's actually a deeper more reality, I think, of the root of what that is. And the hymn really helps us. I think the first one is understanding that long lay the world in what? It says in sin and error pining. And, and I would say to us this morning, friends, the first thing that really causes true weariness is sin. Um, let, me, let me say it this way. Let me, let me give you an example. Uh, I would find myself tired on a Monday. Um, you know, a Sunday's not a day off for me, and I'm prepping throughout the week, and I'm going and I'm, pre- and I'm thinking about how to, you know, express the Word of God, and I'm putting hours in, and on a Sunday morning, I'm expelling my energy, and I, what I would find myself is on a Monday, just kind of completely exhausted, a little bit grumpy with my family and my wife and the dog, and, you know, whatever it is. And so I would allow myself to just self-indulge on a Monday, which would mean, man, I'm just going to like, you know, binge Netflix. I'm going to, you know, whatever my, my culinary desires would be on that Monday, I'm just going to give in to them. And I'm just going to make Monday a me day because I deserve it because I'm tired. And not that I was necessarily sinning, but what I was doing was just indulging my flesh and finding myself at the end of the Monday, which was meant to be a replenish for me, which was meant to be a day that I could recoup, I'd actually find myself more grumpy. And I would think to myself, well, why is this going like this? Because I'm tired and I deserve some rest. And I realized, I think in God's grace, he just said, man, it's because all you're doing is self-indulging. All you're doing is just wreaking havoc and you're just fulfilling your fleshly desires and you haven't focused anything on what I've called you to do. I felt like God said. 
And so now on my Mondays, do I rest? Yes, absolutely. I try to take it easy. But I don't allow myself just to veg all day because I found that it, all it does is cause more weariness when it's the opposite of what should have happened. And I think sin is the same way. What we do is we think, man, this has been a hard year. We, we, we started off our pre-service prayer this morning and said, guys, what are some things that we can be thankful for? And one of us said a, a list of things, and it sounded like the last thing that they said was booze. Now, they didn't say booze, but I thought to myself, man, that might be appropriate to be thankful for this year is booze. And we might be here, sitting here this morning and say, I've been a good boy, Santa, all year long, and I deserve a little self-indulgence. And if anything, during this time of the year, is notorious for is self-indulgence. The Christmas parties, the letting yourself go with the food, the booze, whatever it is. And we try somehow to convince ourselves and tell ourselves, I've been good all year long, now I deserve to play a little bit. And as your pastor this morning, friends, I want to tell you, when you give in to sin, nothing good's going to come from it. Nothing good. See, sin promises you something that is going to say, look, this year's been hard. Look, look, I know you're weary, and I know you're sorrowful, and I know you're exhausted, so why don't you just indulge the flesh a little bit? Temptation whispers in your ear, you deserve it. And at the end of that, what sin, all it does is isolate us from God and isolate us from each other. Ironically, in a season of complete isolation. And we think that somehow, if we indulge in sin, it's going to get us to feel a little bit good about it. So what's that uh, saying, uh, retail therapy? Has anybody heard that one? I just need a little retail therapy. I need to be a little selfish. It's okay if I get in a little bit of debt this year because it's going to make me feel a little bit better inside. And then what ends up happening is that you get into debt and it ends up owning you. And sin is the exact same way. This is what the book of James says about sin. It says this in chapter 1, verse 12 through 15. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Verse 13, let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot, tempt with, cannot, God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by what? His own desires. Then, desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. If you think that sin is going to relieve your weariness, you are misled. Sin will only add to the weariness of your soul. Sin will only lead you down a path that leads to death. Scripture says. It's like a siren, not like a woo, but like the Greek siren, the mermaids, on the, the, the men on the ships, the sailors on the ships. They would be in the midst of the fog and they would hear this beautiful voice crying out somewhere and it would lure them in. And then as they would see where the voice is coming from, oh my gosh, look at this beautiful mermaid. 
only to find out this mermaid wants to eat them, right? And that's what sin does. It sings this beautiful song, dripping with honey from its lips. As the Proverbs say, look, I've laid my bed with rose petals and cinnamon and spices. Come lay with me, only to find out that as you do, you're entrapped in a snare of death. And sin calls us to a trap. There's somebody else in the Bible uh, that we see this in Genesis chapter 4, verse 7. God speaks to Cain and Abel. He speaks specifically to Cain. He says this, If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is what crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you. But you must rule over it. So God is warning Cain here. He's saying, listen, this whole sacrifice thing, I know what's inside your heart, and I know that you're tempted. And listen, sin is just waiting to pounce on you. And if you give into it, it's going to master you. And to be honest with you, Cain, sin is contrary to you. It's against you. And while you think you're going to get fulfillment... In your, in your desires and in your flesh, it actually will bring you down to the pit of hell. So, what causes weariness? I think sin is one of those things. But I think maybe, so for most of us, it's this second phrase that we see in the hymn. It says, long lay the world in sin and what? Error pining. What in the world is error pining? Is that like bad air fresheners that went off somehow. I mean, what in the world does that even mean, error pining? It's not really a, a lingo we use anymore, and this, is, this hymn was written a long time ago. It's, so what does that mean? Well, I think let's unpackage that this morning. If weariness is caused by sin and weariness is caused by error pining, error pining means to yearn deeply for something or someone but without any fulfillment. It's to be like, man, I really, I don't know, what, are you, what do you really want in this Christmas? You know? If you're like Mariah Carey and my wife, all she wants is me. <laughs> and you will be fulfilled, lover. But maybe there's something tangible, maybe there's something physical that you're wanting, that you're hoping that your spouse will hear you give the hints, or your mom or dad will hear, and you drop that word. Maybe you're as bold as my kids. They send us a Christmas list every year. I mean, it is detailed. They text it. They send it to us. Judah writes it out, this whole thing, and I'm like, mm-hmm, 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 great, thank you. And maybe some of their fulfillment will be, or maybe their desire will be fulfilled. But this error pining is this understanding of like, I'm longing for, I'm really deeply desiring something, but it's with no fulfillment. It's this emaciation. Um, Proverbs 13.12 says this, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Isn't that beautiful? Hope deferred makes the heart sick. So when there's something deep aching inside of you, maybe it's this relationship that you really want to go a certain way, and then when you find out it's not going to, what happens? Maybe it's a bonus that you're hoping will happen this year because it's happened every year, but 
I don't know. This has been a tough year financially for a lot of the world. What if we don't get that bonus? Maybe, I don't know, whatever it is. And where will your heart be this year? Where, where will your heart be in the coming months if the fulfillment of your longing or if the desire of your longing is not fulfilled? Will you find yourself heartsick, as a proverb says? This feels a little subjective, doesn't it? This feels like, okay, the sin part I get. The sin like, okay, Kelly, I'm a Christian. I've been a Christian for a long time. And I understand this, and I get it. And like I've been told since I became a Christian what sin is. And I, I think I do a good job mostly of kind of staying away from sins at least specific sins at least the sins that culturally seem like big ones I don't do those there are some sins I every once in a while self-indulge but I don't feel like I'm living in a lifestyle sin but this error of pining that you're talking about this longing for things I think if I'm honest I do find myself sorrowful and exhausted which would be weary if we're saying that there's a longing in my heart that hasn't been fulfilled. The, the sin, it's more objective. The error pining, I find, no, that's more of a thing. How do I deal with that? What am I to do with a heart that is full of error pining? Well, here's the beauty of both of these things. We have a complete remedy an answer for both of these. If you this morning are sitting in your seat and you're listening to these words and you have confessed Jesus as both your Lord and your Savior and you are saying, I am a disciple of Christ and the Holy Spirit has come inside of you and changed you from the inside out, then where you sit this morning is not just a place of finding yourself in salvation, and then when Jesus comes back, you're going to find yourself raptured or however you understand the end times and find yourself with Christ for eternity. Yes, that is true. But there is a here and there is a now that we live in as Christians that means something for every single moment of our lives. And that means not only do you and I have a future hope, that we're going to one day be in glory with Christ, and that gives us joy in the here and now. But we also have a hope that is living and is existing as you sit right now with your butt in the seats. And it is as real as every desire that you feel right now. And it is as real as the person sitting next to you. It is as real as the, the, the energy or the force of the physics that are holding your chair together, keeping you from falling on the floor and hurting your tailbone. What is that? See, the hymn writer says, Yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. The writer understands, just like the book of Isaiah, chapter 9, that there's darkness in the world. Sin, pining, weariness. And as he writes and pens these words, daybreak. You ever, you ever been camping? And in a maybe a, a cold season of the year, and then you can start feeling the sun hit your tent? Doesn't it feel so good? 
as your tent starts to warm up. And then maybe as a kid, you're, one of your parents or some, maybe you're, you're on a trip with guys or maybe there's a real responsible guy who gets up a little bit earlier and he starts cooking bacon. Mm, you guys are already starting to smell the smells of bacon. And as you unzip, get out of your tent and your morning breath, and you're cold and you're chilly, and as the sun starts to come and hit your campground, oh, you feel the warmth of the sun. It feels so good on your skin. You're like, oh, let me stand over here near the fire. And even though there's still ash from last night, you still feel the warmth of it. Somebody stoke that fire up, right? Let's put some more wood on that because we're all cold. Oh, give me some of that bacon. Oh, man, where's the coffee, right? You guys know what I'm talking about if you've ever been camping. And as that warmth, as that light, hits your tent, as the bacon aroma fills you, your, your attitude, your outlook on life, what was a very cold night before, all of a sudden, you're hopeful for the day. What are we going to do today, guys? We're going to go fishing. We're going to couch so much trout. I know it. I feel it. If you're going with me, that's not going to happen. I'm a terrible fisherman. But the sun hits you, and all of a sudden, it's like yonder breaks. Next time you go camping, freak everybody out, and as the sun comes up, yonder breaks, and they'll be like, what the heck is going on? Why? A new, it's a new and glorious morn. Why is the hymnist saying it's glorious? Well, let's turn to Isaiah chapter 9. You guys doing okay? And this is why, for those of us who find ourselves either in sin or error pining, there is a reality for all of us who put our hope in Christ, and this is it. Let me give you a little context before we get there. Isaiah is prophesying to Israel, and they found themselves in a time where Syria has put them in captivity and bound them up, and Israel, in their captivity and in their fear, they have turned to false idols and false gods. And so Isaiah prophesies to the nation. He says this, But there will be no gloom for her, for her who was in anguish, who was weary, who found herself in sin and error pining. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the later time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. Why? Because in verse 2, it says about the Christ, the people who walked in darkness, who were tenting before, who were in a cold night, have what? Seen a great light, which is Christ. Those who dwell in a land of deep darkness, of sin and error pining, on them has light shone. See, what I want to convey to us this morning is, no matter how you feel about this Christmas season, no matter how you, you may be like the Christmas guru. May, your house is like got 50 Santa Clauses everywhere and you got an elf on the shelf and you got all of the stuff and you were just waiting. Maybe on even the day of after Thanksgiving, you started putting everything up and your house, when you walk in, smells like apple pie and hot crisscross buns and it just feels, feels like Santa's village when you walk in your house. I don't know. Maybe you're the bah humbug I don't even know what I was going to say about that, but it doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter where your heart is. See, the truth is, 
just as you're sitting in your chair and that's holding you up, Jesus has come and he's shown light into the darkness, which one overcomes sin and it overcomes error pining. I'm just going to end here because try to keep our time a little more, uh, shorter. I want to encourage you today. If you've been maybe indulging in sin, maybe you're here this morning feeling really sheepish. Maybe you walked into our, our room this morning and you felt a little bit like, are the walls going to fall down because I walked in here? Maybe God is not going to really listen to my singing because I've had a bad week. And he's like, who are you? Man, I've seen, or maybe it's been a long season. Maybe you've been living your life where, like, just pretending, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I kind of, I don't know. And you're here this morning, and you're just here because you're out of here, you're here for religious duty, or I don't know, whatever it is, and you're in a season of sin, I want to encourage you this morning. See, the light has shone on you, and Jesus is the answer, and he can, one, remove your guilt and your shame, and two, change you from the inside out and give you a new heart, make you a new creation. Or maybe you're a Christian and you've just kind of been walking away from Christ, and there's no reason to feel shame and guilt, see, because what Christ has done for you, he wants to welcome you with open arms, and he's not saying you have to pay back in penance or feel guilty all the time. No, he's saying, no, I, I, I want to be with you, I long to be with you, and I paid the price for that to happen. Come boldly into my presence. Or maybe you're on the error pining and you, you found yourself in a, in a season where the things that you've put your hope in, you felt them completely removed from you and taken away from you, and everything in this world seems to be going down the tubes, and you're just found weary. And I would say to you this morning, friends, the personhood of Jesus comes and he brings light into those recessed areas of your heart where you find darkness. And there's a yonder breaks available to you. There is a sun hitting your tent available to you. And what you and I need to do in this season is the discipline of if we are a Christian, putting our hope in something that is not temporal, putting our hope into something that can't be taken away from us. See, if you find yourself weary and sorrowful this morning, I want to suggest it's because you've been putting your hope in something else. Maybe your guy, I, we don't even know who's going to win. I mean, technically, it looks like it's going a certain way. Biden, right? But maybe you were all about Trump. Maybe you were like, man, this... How could this be? How could this be that this guy's going to be elected? Man, it feels like, this is, feels like this is wrong to me. And your hopes have been dashed against the rocks. Or maybe it's the other way. It looks like, why is Trump fighting? And maybe he's going to win. Man, I, I, I'm afraid if he does win. I don't know where you are politically this morning. See, your hope is in something that could be taken away from you. Maybe your hope has been in your finances or a relationship or your health, or loved ones. And friends, all of those things are good, but they can be gone just like that. And if your hope is in those things, you're going to rise and fall 
feel strong one day because it's going your way or feel terrible the next because it's not. And my encouragement to you as your pastor this morning is put your hope in not error pining. Don't long for something that if it was taken away from you, then you're going to find yourself weary and sorrowful. Put your hope in the one thing that can never be taken away from you. That is Christ and the work that He's done for you. And He doesn't just say, hey, one day you'll be with me in glory and then everything will be better. No, He says to us here and now, in the very place you live, in this very moment in time, I can give you hope. I can give you purpose. I can give you joy. I can give you satisfaction. Don't look to all these other things that are fleeting. Look to me. Because I'm the one thing that will never change. And I have your very best in mind. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if the stock market goes up or down. It doesn't matter if our health goes up and down. It doesn't matter if the guy we want wins or loses. It doesn't matter any of that because at the end of the day, Jesus is the light that shines and it's the light that will never go away. And in the darkness, the light dispels the darkness. And if you have found yourself weary Don't let the darkness overcome it. Do the discipline of putting your hope in Jesus. Do the discipline of saying, I think it was Jeff who stood up here with a baby in one hand and a mic in the other and says, Jesus, I don't feel strong, but I need your strength. Jesus, I don't feel hopeful, but I need your hope. Jesus, I I don't feel joyful or glad or gentle or any of the gifts of the Spirit. I don't feel in self-control, but I need that from you because I can't do it in my own strength. And if you're trying to do it in your own strength, will you surrender? Will you lay it down? Will you say, Lord, as we enter into this Advent season where there's supposed to be a longing for you and I don't feel any of that, will you ask the Holy Spirit to help you with that this morning? You say, God, I I need your help. This is where I want to end. Isaiah chapter 42. Talks about Jesus and his, the way he deals with you and me. Behold, my servant, speaking of Jesus, whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. Remember when we, Jesus read the scroll from Isaiah chapter 61, he walks into the synagogue, he says, hey, the spirit of the sovereign Lord's upon me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor and to bind up the broken heart. And today this has been fulfilled in your hearing. That's what we're seeing here. I put my spirit on him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. If you feel like injustice in your heart has been done to you or to our surroundings or to our culture, Look to Jesus. Verse 2. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. What does that mean? It means that he's not going to walk around arrogantly declaring about all your sins, about all your shortcomings, and, and bring condemnation on you like a herald or out in the street declaring all the injustices that are happening. No, he won't do that publicly. Verse 3. A bruised reed he will not break. And a faintly faintly burning wick he will not quench. He won't put it out. He will faithfully bring forth justice. 
So what is this saying about who Jesus is? Saying he's gentle, he's lowly, he's tender. He doesn't go, why were you two minutes late? Get out of here! Why aren't you super happy? Get out of here! Why aren't you singing at the top of your lungs about the greatness of who I am? Get out of here! No, he says, I see your spirit. I see your weariness. I see that you're a broken reed. And what most of us here would do is go, that thing's broken. It's junk. Throw it out. He takes the broken reed, binds it up, wraps it around. Why? Because he loves that reed. He doesn't look at the candle wick and go, man, it's on its last legs. Toss it out. Just get a new one at Target. No, he goes, no, no, no. See, there's still life in this wick. It just needs to be trimmed. See, it's too long or it's too short. And what we need to do is add some, some fuel to the wax and the fire and so it can burn the way it's supposed to. He doesn't just go, ah, get that stupid thing out of my face. See, Jesus comes to us and goes, I see your weariness. I see where you're bruised. I see where you're broken. I see your shortcomings. But guess what? I've already paid for all of that. Why are you not coming to me? Why are you coming? Why are you looking for it and all this? No, no, no. Come to me because I'm the one that's going to bind up your broken heart. I'm the one that is going to mend your weariness. Don't look to the things that are all over the place. I'm constant. I'm steady. I'm here for you. I love you. And if you find yourself there this morning, Come to Jesus. Go to Jesus. He loves you. It's a light. It's a sunlight on your tent. Maybe that's what we'll call this sermon this morning. Sunlight on your tent. Why don't we just close our eyes for a second. And um, band, will you guys come up?